The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. I'm in a bar, 15 years old. I remember the pickup line from a movie, and I saw this beautiful <laughs> Russian, Russian girl who was three years older than me at the bar with her friends, all dressed up, and this snotty little thing goes up to her. I want to lick you from top to bottom like lollipop. <laughs> and <laughs> she says, okay. And that's when my heart started pounding, like, oh, now I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful chaos. And the atheist pray? It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we Today, we have a very interesting episode, don't we, Andy Shaler? <laughs> yes, we do, Bambos Charles Dimitrio. <laughs> and what is that show, Mr. Shaler? We have ours and some of yours most embarrassing moments the most embarrassing moments that we've ever encountered. Yeah. So this is, this is a subject today that really surprises me Yeah. because of the amount of response we had. Yeah. I'd learned so much from this episode before we even went on. Yeah. And one of the things I, I learned, which is fascinating, is that people have an association, if they're going to share an embarrassing moment, then it still has to be embarrassing for them. Mm. And let me qualify what I just said. I had an embarrassing moment when I was 10 years old. Now I'm 40 years old. I'm not going to share the embarrassing moment from 10 because I'm no longer embarrassed about it. So that's what I saw over and over again. People looked at the embarrassment through the lens of where they now were as opposed to saying, oh, yeah, when I was 10, that was really embarrassing. To what degree is that conclusion a projection of yours or an actual fact? Oh, it's all projection. Okay. But, what I, what, but I also had two people say that to me as well. Okay. So, th- so, uh, and, and, uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm more than generalizing. But when I said, hey, can you share your embarrassing moment? Oh, more, three people said it to me. So, actually, it's, it's not just a projection. Actually, it's the feedback that I got was, Andy... Um, these things happen to me, but I can't say that I find them embarrassing now. Mm. Like like uh, a, a mutual friend we have, David Kaiser. He shared a nice story with me. He was in Mexico. Oh, are you going to expose him? More? Yeah, of course I'm okay, going to expose him. Go on. He's in Mexico and he, I think it was Mexico. Was, uh, it, was it with a woman? He was with many, many people. It wasn't just a single woman. Um, he's always in trouble because everyone's in love with him because he's so, so gorgeous. He's like a Greek god. So he's he, not Greek. So he goes in with three guys. They all go skinny dipping. And then somebody hides their underwear. So now they're on a beach full of hundreds of people and they have none of their clothes. 
So now he has to go into the bar area where everyone is there with his hand over his genitals to the bar because that's where his clothes are and he needs to get his clothes back again. So when he Love shared, when he, and, and so when he shared that story with me, I'm sure at the time it was uncomfortable. Yeah. And he, and, and now he's, he's rationalized it in his brain. So now it's a funny story. So when I said, are you willing to share that story? He said, well, it, it's changed for me now. It's no longer embarrassing. Mm. But I, so I laughed, said, but can you share it when it was embarrassing? <laughs> and then that was the discussion. Okay. Yeah. Nice. What else did you learn, Andy? Um, that there was more vulnerability in it than I expected. You know, you and I are pretty shameless, like we said in the beginning. Like we can comfortably share what we've done or what we think is crazy. Like we celebrate kind of the more absurd it is. It's like there's a humility and love we have for that stupid part of us and our histories. Yeah. Like it's, it's like a loving, it's like a little brother that you love him for being, you know, who he is. And yeah, he did some stupid stuff. It's like what makes us human. It, yeah, exactly. It, but I but I noticed that others had a really hard time loving that part of themselves. Yeah. So I, I think one of the one of the, a great thing which I would love to do is I'd love to start the show with a great example of someone sharing that for us, and um, and and just to give a vibe of what I'm talking about. Because what I also thought was nice was that we also saw that, and I'll put it on right now that, that some people shared how it was. So um, I'm going to just share uh, one of those scenes from um, our one of our favorite viewers, uh, Bolalong, who really shared with us kind of a little bit of the intimacy of what it meant for him. So we'll just play his his video right now, and uh, and just so you hear it. This is a very difficult video to do because it's embarrassing and. Uh, I'm ashamed, you know. And I was looking for tools to try to change my voice so that people should not hear it, but I couldn't find it. Yeah. Thank you, Borolang. That's what I saw come up for, what Bolalong just put into words as what I felt came up for a lot of people as they were, as I asked. I asked 30 people to leave messages. To, to, I asked, you know, and, and I even wrote specifically, I ask you 30 because I believe you're just crazy enough to do this. Where are they? <laughs> Is Tarantino going to make a movie? <laughs> <laughs> the crazy 30. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also saw that specifically that's what came up when I was asking for that. There was still a kind of, oh, I, I can't share that part of me mm. as if it's even though it might be in the past, I could see almost that they held their breath at the idea of sharing it, like dreading it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I I felt surprised there. And also like, wow, I, I didn't realize that it was such a big ask. Yeah. And it was a great learning for me to see. In fact, it Yeah, it was a big ask, bigger than I expected. Um, for those that may want to join to share, you can join us live. Click on that link. It's in the comments also. Yes, we'll put it in the comments. If you'd like to, you can join us live to share that story, uh, whatever that story might be. If you forgot to tell us your story, then you can actually do that and live you, as and well. You, and you can do it bullang style. And you can talk like this. Yes. 
that yeah so that was that was one of the big things that came up for me but i also started realizing that there are shame there's there's embarrassment and shame that we've all shared and i saw that in a few of the stories that came back to me like what like email shame mm. like i i uh, like i have had those times when i've done a reply all and i only wanted to reply to a single individual and then and don't tell anyone else <laughs> and then and then and then obviously said things that i would thought oh no that was just that just oh my god what do i do now and that, and and you know we've all done that so i believe this is going to be a really exciting show because we see our dear friend chris, chris Carell is going to be joining us to share at least i think he's going to share what one of his most embarrassing moments <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking you're going to call me on camera. Oh, well, how else are we going to bring you on? Are you oh, gonna... I thought I was going to make a little comment in the side chat. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, we can put you off if you want. Uh, no, it's just the you know, most embarrassing moment would be calling, you know, being put in on camera, you know, <laughs> without any rehearsal or any idea of what I'm going to say, right? Um, oh, nice to see your face. Nice to see you too. Um, yeah. yeah, it was great to follow you up the the coastline and yeah, and uh, see all the the nature that was out there in full force. Um, it was really fantastic. Yeah, and Bambos and I had one of the I would say one of our funnest days we've ever had together. He said his stomach hurt from laughing so long. And I don't remember, I don't remember what we were laughing yeah. about, but we yeah. just laughed. It was just yeah. it was beautiful. So did you come on uh, with knowing that you had a story to tell or or were you going to spontaneously or were you just coming on saying I was hello? coming coming on to listen and um and join the conversation at some point I I, I have so many embarrassing moments that Help that me I understand I want to ask you when you look at an embarrassing moment now yeah. Yeah. do you feel like it's still embarrassing for you? Or do you say, oh, no, at that time in my life, it was embarrassing. And now I kind of love it and think it's kind of funny. Or how is it for you? I think there's there's some of both. I, I mean, there are some that I look at and I, they're just cringeworthy. And it's like, you know, like um, not really fully preparing for a presentation um, that because I didn't know the gravity of the, the you know, the, the situation. And so I nor you know prepared a couple notes that i that i would have said um but had i had i known that i was right before the keynote and um and this was a you know a big window of opportunity i would have you know planned it entirely different so i was kind of embarrassed um you know when i and, and it's it's uh, it's a story about I, I was consulting in South Africa. There's kind of two stories in one. One was that I uh, I had a class. I was teaching a class for a week um, on behavioral styles and um, on how to, you know, the, the challenge at the time, this was back in the mid-90s, um, right after apartheid had ended. And, you know, the companies were mainstreaming, you know, black leaders who had not been allowed into leadership because um, they would be tested. In order to be a manager, you'd have to be tested and the testing was written and Yoruba and, um, and Swahili are verbal languages. They're not, their spoken language is not written. So they always tested as illiterate. Mm. <laughs> and, and so we, we were teaching a behavioral assessment style 
to do that. And and so in my class was the uh, the vice president of human resources of this one company and the senior vice president, the person in charge of it, Paul. And the vice president was an Afrikaans woman who was just, you know, like all over the place. The senior vice president was um, was a, a black African um, who sat with her hands folded on her desk and never said anything. She just paid attention. And so I said to my host after a couple of days, you know, how is it that that energetic spark plug reports to this quiet person? He said, oh, you don't understand. That's Ubuntu. Uh, she's making you a good teacher by being a good student, you know. So that's that's part of it. So then we get to the you know two weeks end of two weeks of consulting there, and there's this big conference, um, and I was asked to say a few few words. And had I had I known that it was the type of conference that it was, I like I said I would have prepared better. I just felt like I was underprepared. Um, so I did a shorter speech than I would have should have done. Blah blah blah. Then the next speaker is the EVP. You know the the senior vice president and this woman who had sat for two weeks in my class with her hands folded on the desk gets up and blew the room away i mean just what a powerhouse what an incredible po-. and my host turns to me and he says no you be the student and she's the teacher <laughs> <laughs> so that was like pow <laughs> so, uh, and so my lesson of Ubuntu and and humility were were, were sandwiched together. That in is that. beautiful. Yeah, but. that that. So I, I was as I was thinking through the show, there were categories of embarrassment, and one of the categories that I had, and I believe it's called, I called it in my I think public embarrassments. Mm-hmm. So when we put ourselves in in front of audiences and screwed up. Yeah, that was that one. <laughs> that was that one. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Yeah, I uh I I would say that it's interesting because um uh like I was trying to work through my own public embarrassment on this one and there were a few. I think I mentioned one of the show when I was learning to play the saxophone and I wasn't that good and a friend asked me to play at his wedding reception. <laughs> and and I played and I played like the worst rendition of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And then he was straight faced. He was he was honest. And I went back and sat down in my seat. And then, like, without skipping a beat, he said to me, Andy, I probably shouldn't have asked you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and still today we laugh at how absurd it was. That that yeah, was right. Like, oh, yeah, that was uh, that was the public embarrassment. Right. And I think that's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that that one was just one that lives on. You know, in retrospect, I go like, "Damn, you know, what a missed opportunity." And I, you know, like I, I'm a public speaker. You know, like I, I yeah, am normally you know quite comfortable and at ease. And I just I, I didn't understand the context um, of what I was you know should be preparing for, mm. and um, and you know, and that just. It is what it is. Well, Bola Long, who is, of course, South African, South African, shares that, yes, Ubuntu is difficult to understand by people from outside our culture. So, yes. yes. Bambos, for you, is there, in the in the degree of public embarrassment, is there anything you, you recall from your own life in that area? Those two. One is more safe, but I felt my, my, my body going a bit ner- nervous when I thought about it. 
after my drug addiction, somehow by luck or by being whatever, I became like a supervisor for a project in this company. And the client was Microsoft. <laughs> so I was like a project leader. And the person giving the presentation was sick. And they're like, oh, Bumbo, you do it. And I was like, like, I knew the project like inside out. But when I had to do the presentation, I remember I had to wear a shirt and I wasn't comfortable. I was always wearing ripped jeans. And <laughs> sort of a sudden I'm giving this presentation and I'm reading everything off the board and there's nothing of myself going in. <laughs> and I remember I was going red. I lost my voice. They gave me water. <laughs> it was the worst hour of my life. <laughs> mm. uh, so, I have another yeah. one. I, I was asked to do some consulting in Finland. And, and by the way, don't go to Finland in February. <laughs> it's just not a pretty place. Um, so I... I um, get there and and you know going to be asked to uh to speak on television and and i said you know i i i only know english i don't know any finnish it's a very difficult language to learn and my host said um what do you call a person who speaks many languages and i said multilingual and he said what do you call a person who speaks two languages and i said bilingual he says what's a person who speaks only one language i go Monolingo? What he said? No, American. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day, the first thing in the morning, I'm I'm still jet lagged and everything, oh. and I'm I'm on their like Good Morning Finland show or whatever, and and uh -huh. and they're asking me like, how do you solve the unemployment problem? At the time, it was like something like twenty percent unemployment in Finland, and and I'm trying to answer the best I can and stuff, and they're translating everything into Finnish. And it's one of those moments where you're thinking, like, what are they really saying? Are they it's like, are this Bozo is telling us, you know, are they editing what I'm saying? Or are they actually saying what I'm saying? And you don't know because I, it doesn't sound like any other language that I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was hoping they were translating. <laughs> yes. I had a funny incident that happened when I was working in Vienna okay. where – I was I was the assistant marketing manager of this company and the manager, the marketing manager had basically um, found another job and the CEO found out about that right before we were doing a big launch in this huge auditorium with a few hundred people from around the world that have been invited there. So he says, you're not going on. Andy, you're taking his place. So, so this is 10 minutes before we go live. Everyone mm -hmm. has flown over. I'm sitting there. Now, it was a big deal. We had simultaneous translators in boxes. Mm -hmm. And I was supposed to do the translating for the people into English. So I understood enough German. So, um, so then I'm supposed to do the trans. So now I've got to find somebody else to get in this box who can translate and, and do this. So, um, so then I find someone who can't really translate. So they go into the box. Everyone is wearing their earphones. Half the public doesn't understand what's going on. And he starts speaking. And he's just like making stuff up because it has nothing to do. <laughs> and then I'm not speaking. You know, I speak all over the place. So it's not like I make his life any easier. But then the best moment comes. And then so there's all of this quiet because he stopped translating. He doesn't know what to do anymore. And everyone in the audience starts looking at the translator booth to sort of because they think that there's a technical difficulty not realizing he just stopped translating. And then he just says, well, everyone has their headphones on. 
fuck this. And then he puts the, <laughs> he puts the mic and leaves the he leaves the box. <laughs> and you know you're gonna love this who that was, Bambos. It was Franz Baumeister. <laughs> a friend of ours. He says, Fuck this. All these people fly from over the world and he that's how he it was. Just hangs oh. up on him. Yeah. Yeah, that Franz, was that was not a nice moment. Andy, how did you? <laughs> yes. But I mean, I think in a way that was one of the worst experiences of my life at that time. Mm. And now, of course, with time, I can laugh at it. Having said that, what is your most embarrassing sexual experience? I was in a five-year relationship where it was my sister. I loved her, but she was my sister. So we had Mm. no sex life. So, and then I was like, what am I doing? I, we, we're separating. We didn't know how to separate. So we're still together in that uncomfortable time where we haven't yeah. gotten a new place. So we're not having sex for long periods. And I'm like, I'm going to go back into the world. I've got to like learn how to use condoms again. Like I'm going to like figure this stuff out. So then she goes out and then I put on a condom and I masturbate just to sort of get used to that worldly but now i've got this condom i can't flush it down the toilet i can't toss it out in the you know in the trash so i'm like okay i got to do something with this quickly so like i bowl it up and then i kind of i think i hide it really well in a side thing in the in the hallway which you can't see now she comes home and she finds the damn thing so now i've been accused of cheating in the half an hour that she went away (laughs) How could I? <laughs> right, and, the, right. and the next thing I know, I'm being thrown out of the house. And, yeah. and well, years and years later, and years later, still being asked the question, "How did you? You know, who were you with in that half an hour?" Like, there's no trust that anyone would be crazy enough to actually do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I had I have sleep problems and. um so, you know, my doctor prescribed, and I don't remember the name of it. It starts with an A, um, this drug that knocks you out, but has bizarre, bizarre psychological effects. When I mentioned the name of the drug to friends of mine, they go like, oh, yeah, I, I was sending hate mail to my clients in the middle of the night, you know, and not, not knowing it. You know, one of them said, I woke up behind the wheel of my car. You know, downtown, I have no idea how I got there. You know, it's like things, really bizarre things happen. For me, what happened was I, you know, it it makes you have also weird sexual things, you know. So um, I don't look at porn (laughs) because my wife and I run an early childhood education center. Um, So I don't want anything touching my computer that could possibly be traced or what if it actually has a link to something else or, you know, child pornography or and like, so I don't touch it or anything. So apparently I take this drug. It's like the first night I'm taking it and I start surfing porn in my sleep. And so I fall asleep. The, you know, I am asleep, whatever the, the iPad still open on my chest laying there. And my wife comes into the room and goes like, what? The, the? Like, I didn't do it. My subconscious <laughs> you did. did. <laughs> there must be something in you that's wrong. <laughs> exactly. There's something you're suppressing. If that's where you go, that's you're where drug. you go when you're drunk. Exactly. That's the whole thing. I got hung for that. 
Vamos, I know you've got hundreds of, of sex stories, so you asked us the question, <laughs> but you're the one who's got a plethora. Like, yeah, right. you've got I, a treasure Those are my trail. only two. The other one I yes. won't mention. <laughs> I, I think the funniest was my first time. The mm. funniest and most awkward, embarrassing. Like, uh, I'm in a bar, 15 years old, and I'm trying to... I remember the pickup line from a movie and I saw this beautiful <laughs> Russian Russian girl who was three years older than me at the bar with her friends, all dressed up. And this snotty little thing goes up to her like, I want to lick you from top to bottom like lollipop. <laughs> and she says, okay. And that's when my heart started pounding. Like, oh, now I'm in trouble. <laughs> so she gets up, she says, do you have a car? And back then, this was the time when my dad left. And no one, my mom couldn't drive. So I took the car without a license. With that license, you're 15, right? Yes. I, I had a Mazda 626 and I, and I drive her to her place. And all of a sudden, we're on her bed. We're kissing. It was my first time. I don't even... You know, first time kissing, trying to figure it out, not even owning that it's my first time of, of anything. And this is like a woman to mm. me. Yeah, right. So so she goes to the bathroom to change and something more sensual. I quickly take off my clothes, I jump under the bed sheets, and I'm like... <laughs> and she comes in the bed and we continue. And I and at some point I'm like, should I take off my socks? She's like, no, you're, you're, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> she gave me a condom i didn't know what to do with it like i there was zero sex education in the end she ended up putting it on me we lasted maybe a minute and then i got out of the bed it was really bad i got out of the bed i started putting my clothes on she says where are you going i'm like my mom's gonna be looking for me <laughs> <laughs> and, and I came back the next day with a bunch of flowers, and then we dated for a year. Oh, wow. <laughs> she told me later, was that your first time? And I was like, no. <laughs> I never owned it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, and all the rest of your life, you've been making mm. up for that. <laughs> I, when I was in my 30s, just having broken up with this woman that I mentioned a, a few moments ago. Is it sexual? It is sexual. Oh, good. So now I'm at a bar and I've never really had a one night stand, you know, like it's always been, you know, raised Catholic, having all of the. So then I'm sort of at a bar and then there's a woman there and we sort of like I'm like, oh, like, would you like to come home with me? You know, but like coming home with me isn't like uh, uh, like clarity in my head that we're going to do anything. It's more like, oh, we're just going. It happens to be 12 at night and now you're just going to come back to my place. Right. So then we come back and I'm sort of like. I don't really know what to do at this moment, you know, because it had this, I'm new to this thing. We just come in the house. So I'm looking and thinking, so what do we do? Um, like, and I didn't know how to make a move. So I'm like, well, how, what, why not watch Cinema Paradiso? What's that? <laughs> it is like the saddest, longest movie you have ever seen. <laughs> it's like a three hour marathon of, of like tears. It's childhood pain. It's like, you know, every, like, I'll cry every time I see it. So now I'm sitting, it's now probably one when we put it on. So by the time it's over, it's four in the morning. <laughs> and, like, and it was just, it was just a really a, a, a horrendous effort at, uh, at trying to do a one night stand. Yes. And Bulalang says, is there a difference between funny moment and an embarrassing one? You're killing me with laughter. 
I think the answer to that is how, what you attach to it, right? Yeah, it's, it's your choice. Yeah. Yeah. You can choose well, to make it like an embarrassing moment. I, I would say, Burilang, as I was sharing my story, I felt, I felt that little boy again. Mm. And I could tune into the edginess of sharing that. And, and I'm like, oh, God, and I'm sharing this live. And I've got also clients that watch these shows like, oh, fuck. Um, two more embarrassing things that I've done recently. One very <laughs> recent one I posted on, and it's fucking great group. Mm. Um, that I, So I practice seed retention as a lifestyle. And for those of you who don't know, look up seed retention tantra, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And that means it kind of runs my life. There's things that I won't do in my life in order to maintain that. So I'll never eat after 5 p.m. Because if there's food in my stomach, I might overheat up. It might push in my organs and then I ejaculate my sleep. Or not to drink a lot of water after five o'clock again, like really keep it low key, uh, meditating. So there was one evening I was tired. I ate something, go to bed, woke up, ejaculated like how many months of seed retention. <laughs> and it, it, it com- I, and I saw it completely ruin, ruins my, my well-being. It's like you don't eat sugar for half a year. You eat sugar, you get a dip. Mm. And I noticed I woke up with all this shame and I wanted to hide mm. it. And I was like, I, I don't want to hide this. This is this is this is something that I, I've been struggling with for many years. Like it happens at least three times a year, and it really gets me. And I think it's time to just share it in the and this fucking great group because, in a way, I don't wa- I don't want to be in the shadows with this either. And it mm. was it was really choking me. So I made the post, and I le- I like I don't even want to see what people are gonna be commenting but a, a client of mine saw it and, and she really said something like get over it dude like <laughs> it's it just needed to come Normal. out <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so there's always the edginess of when you share things like that that there's people in your life that will see it and uh, uh, so yeah so I'd love to introduce another category. Uh, by the way, Chris, I don't know if it's great for you to stay. You're, I, I love having you, but <laughs> right. uh, no, no. Are, are you okay to stay? I just want to yeah, check. Yeah, I, I, I can stay. Yeah. Okay, great. And, well, and meanwhile, if anyway, and if anyone is dying to join, you can still click on the you link. Can we can have. Yeah, really. We can have multiple people. Bulelan, jump yes, on. Yeah, exactly. He may have thought of one in the meantime. So there's another category of embarrassment that someone, uh, a viewer sent in and i'm going to play that one and then we can discuss a little bit of the our connection to that embarrassment because i think it's always fun to see somebody else's um somebody else uh, suffering yeah well I, I i can tell you i've seen my own suffering in it my most embarrassing moment the first i had to think about is i step out of the train after work and the guy next to me blind guy he asked me if i would guide him through the station and I said yes, and uh, I give him my arm, he grabs my arm, and we start walking, and within two steps, he hits his head to a sign. <laughs> that was not nice. He was very angry, and I was so ashamed. I couldn't tell people for a few years. So, okay. And she laughs. Oh, my. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I, that's a that's another category of of embarrassing shame that I also uh, realized. Uh, we're bringing Bola Long on as well. Hello, Bola Long. Thank you for joining us. Hi, am I live? 
<laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Fix your You're hair, Paul along. <laughs> You're alive. You're alive. Well, you took me by surprise. Uh, I'm going to share a story and then I bring you on because I hope you have a story. When I was in uh, in high school, I volunteered to help at a blind swim meet. So um, so you're sitting there and, you know, I think it's really great as a as a high schooler. You're trying to, you know, understand the limitations. So there's you know, a, a, I'm trying to help this blind child learn how to swim. And in, in these different. So one of the strokes is the backstroke. And I for the life of me, I can't figure out how to explain how to do um, how to do a backstroke to a blind person. So and then and then there's somebody else doing it right next to us. And then with on instinct, they say, just look at him. Look at him. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking like, oh, I found a way to teach him. Just look at him. You know, it was uh, just the humiliation of it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So Bolalong, you joined us. Did you join to say hello or did you find a story in your heart to share with us? No, I joined because Bumbo said I must join. <laughs> Beautiful. And you always do what Bumbo says. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, my video was interrupted that day. And it posted itself be- before I completed it. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Let me complete it then. Please. What happened? It was in my mid twenties. Then there's this uh, guy that I haven't seen for long. Then he came to Cape Town. Then we had to make a, uh, to make a meet up. Then he said, "Now we are going to paint the the city red." Then there was a lot of uh, drinking, going to the bus, and at one time I felt that gee. Now I'm not able to go home being like this because I was driving. I said, what do I do? Then I just went into the car and uh, parked the, in, the, <laughs> in the parking lot, slept in the car. As I was sleeping, then I hear no knock on the window. <laughs> Wake up, I look. It's a police person. <laughs> so, sir, it is dangerous where you are. Why are you staying here in the car? I said, now I wanted a driver to take me home <laughs> because I can't drive. I'm so drunk. <laughs> and, you know, the police actually drove me home, left me home. Yeah, but uh, drinking that much, mm. that was so embarrassing. Uh, where, when you look at the road, it says, now this, this won't work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to be knocked out. I don't like having those blackouts. Mm. 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 So that's really embarrassing. Yeah. Mm. I think the 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 drinking or the taking a drug where you behave in ways that you don't control, mm. like that's really not comfortable. Yeah. Yes, because you, you lose control. You don't know what is happening. Mm. And you feel out of control. Yeah. So that, that that's when I felt the issue of uh, being out of control. Mm. If you have nobody to to be with you, to take care of you, mm. then you're fucked up. And I think if you're in, in like, so I imagine for you, Bambos. I, I, I have been so blacked out from everything that I took that sometimes people would tell me, you were passed out next to vomit on the pavement in the red light district. Mm. Um, yeah. Outside some club, and 
so so when people would say that to me, like, wow, I, I have vague memories of that. Or or once I came out of a club, it was completely off my head, the expression. And I saw a beautiful one. I went to say hello to her and I fell in the water. And I, <laughs> <laughs> you never told me this. And, and as I'm in the as I, as I'm in the water, I, I, I was trying to figure out where where I didn't. I was upside down, so I was looking down at that and the light. So I I came up and and I was um, I was a bad swimmer. And when I came out, they wouldn't let me in the club because <laughs> uh, my keys, my wallet, everything was in the club. Oh so my. I walked home. It was a long walk, and I was pretty new. I was pretty new to Amsterdam. Oh. I was I was in my I was 21 years old, and oh. I'm wet. It's it's winter, and I, I'm sitting outside my apartment waiting for my roommate, who apparently got lucky that evening and didn't come back home until lunchtime. <sighs> and, and back then, it wasn't an issue for me to sleep outside the door. <laughs> When something is is so real and ridiculous, I'm, I'm sure we can all find, like you shared your story, I can find a hundred moments like that. Uh, well, isn't that true of comedy, though? I mean, when you when you look at some comedians, a lot of what they they do for routine is is embarrassing what would be normally embarrassing moments, but they use it as a as humor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To you know, to to point to the funny side of things and yeah, there was a I, I was when I was living in Vienna, um, I was there was everything this, happened in Vienna. Yeah, everything happened in Vienna. After Vienna, life got After normal. After Ronnie, he became normal. I, I'm in an elevator. This is in the sex story. So this is another category of embarrassment. I think everyone can identify. We all have our email embarrassment, but I think there's that <laughs> other embarrassment that's like. I think I know you or you think you know me and we don't really know where we know each other from. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yes. so so the, the, there was this moment when I'm in an elevator in, in Austria and it's going up and this person gets in and and I know that they know me. And I'm like, oh, I'm so embarrassed right now because I don't know who they are. But I know and it, they're looking at me. And I'm thinking to myself, God, they know who, oh, shit. And now they know me, but I can't, what am I supposed to like, what, I don't know what to say. I'm so embarrassed because at that point I was traveling a lot, doing a lot of these road show things. So, and so I think I apologized to him and said, listen, I, 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 I know we know each other from somewhere, but I'm not exactly sure where. And then like, and then the guy gets off the, the elevator and just, you know, we didn't interact. And then that night I see him on TV because he's like the most famous star in 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 Germany for is the type of singing. So I'm apologizing to him for not knowing me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I see him on the TV and like, oh. So you know him from TV, maybe? Yeah, of course. I recognized him from TV, but I just assumed that uh, it must be someone from the trade shows or from business. I mean, I couldn't imagine that I'm in the in the elevator with the famous pop singer of the of Austria. Or it was very funny. Yeah, but I think that happens a lot. Like someone recognizes someone or thinks they recognize them, and then makes those sort of things. Those are often one of those embarrassing moments I found. Love it. No, it, it happens to me, and the, the, the wife says, what, what I, I say to a person, I know you from somewhere. And I says, no, you like to tell everybody that you know them. <laughs> What's wrong? <laughs> Please. Along reminds me of another South African story. 
Um, I, I'm a rugby player and played for many years. And so when I was in South Africa, it was 1995, it was the year after the day I won the, the World Cup. And and so my host said to me, you know, is there anything I can get for you, you know, because for, for doing all this work? And I said, oh, man, I would love a Springbok jersey. And so he went to the team and he got a team jersey, unnumbered, but, you know, he got a team jersey. And I was so proud of it that the next day I, I had originally had an appointment to see Mandela. I wanted to get an introduction, an introduction to Mandela, but he was sick. And so he wasn't taking any visitors. Um, so we were in Pretoria walking around the garden and this woman comes up to me and she berates me up one side, down the other. You're not one of us. You're not one of these. Cause they, I mean, these people are all national heroes cause they had just won the world cup, you know, and, and I was not one of those people. And, and how dare I wear a Springbok Jersey, um, you know, in, in public places. And, and, so. and how, how does she know that you are not uh, a South African? Because I don't look like it. I mean, I don't look like any of the players. Every all the players were, you know, were were famous. You know, uh, oh, celebrities. Okay. You know, the the they were national heroes because you know that that whole movement. You know, yeah. uh, post apartheid that that uh, Mandela used rugby as a way to bring the country together. Um, yes, I must admit I watched rugby that time. Yeah, you were what? I, I did uh, uh, yeah. get into it, uh, watch rugby during that time. Oh, did you? Rugby's not my sport, and yeah. even now I don't watch it, but uh, during that uh, World Cup, I did watch it. Oh, yeah. Every match. Yeah, every match. Every match. Everybody So, I think embarrassing moments, if I, if I look at them, four or five years ago, I, I, I joined the men's group, and in a way, that men's group disintegrated because I imposed myself into it in a way of how I thought it should be running. Mm. And all of a sudden the whole group started arguing <laughs> and I, I, I ended up walking out of that men's group and in, in a way everything just went boof. It, it was embarrassing. It's embarrassing because in a way I, if I, if I look back as to where I am today, I would have done that completely differently. Yeah. So it's embarrassing in a way that I did something and I wasn't very present with the consequences of my actions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Andy, Andy was uh, right when he started the show and he said, uh, most of the embarrassing moments, we don't remember them because they are not embarrassing to us now mm. because we have moved on and uh, we have a totally different perspective uh, of life. Yeah. I would say I'm still embarrassed about it because in a way, I didn't fully take responsibility. Yeah, I thought about that just as you said it right now. It was really a beautiful moment because I was, I felt deep into myself how I'd feel in your shoes. Yeah. I think it's time to call up the individual and apologize. Okay. Uh, no, I, I thought of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another embarrassing moment. I got on a, on a comedy show stage in Cyprus with my sister's son, with my brother, friends, childhood friends, and I didn't know that in the back of the of the of the actual nightclub there were clients of mine who I worked with when I was in Cyprus as a photographer. So I got on the stage and I shared the most awkward sexual experience I had recently with with a woman that I was currently dating, and it was a really funny moment. But it also involved anal. I mean, my sister's kids were really like, "Yeah." <laughs> 
<laughs> but on my way to the toilet, I saw my client with her with her colleagues, and they were looking at me from top to bottom, like, yeah. <laughs> there was a hole not big enough to swallow me in that moment. <laughs> also, the the last thing I'll share, I took it too far, and and this was a behavior that I had in the past. Mm. I'm at a family gathering, and my sister's daughter and her her partner and his parents and everyone from their side and our side so there's two families coming together you know my sister my niece is going to get married to this guy and the men are are doing jokes and i'm really not being entertained so i open my mouth and i'm like that's not even funny guys come on so so they said they challenge me (laughs) so i shared also a very a real sexual embarrassing moment my mother left the room <laughs> my mother literally left the room so uh, so in a, in a way would i do that again no uh, you know i i was thinking you oh, cringed. Go yeah cuz i it reminded me when 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 i was a kid so my you know my dad of course was jewish and mom was catholic mom was the oldest of 12 kids very conservative catholic family dad was only trying to provoke that's all he did right so we're, he was at the table having dinner with everybody i'm there as well and then and then you have to imagine bolong you know how the catholics are yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a humorous thing to say to him, of course. That's an inside joke, people, if you didn't get it. So so, um, so, my dad says at, at the table, he says, this is one of the things I've one of the biggest things I've learned my whole life. At, at, you keep in mind where it's just Thanksgiving, everyone there, all the he says. So my first sexual sexual experience was with a prostitute. <laughs> this is how it starts okay like i can't sink under the table any deeper than 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 the, the floor not not only not not do i not want to hear it but i also am conscious that there's all these catholics at the table who that's yes. like screaming out in a in the church so he now says you know what when i was 13 i took the money from my bar mitzvah and i went to the prostitute and then we went and he says we we went we had sex and then after the sex, I had my orgasm, and she said, that, that's extra. And he said, the biggest lesson I learned is you need to negotiate everything before you actually commit to a relationship or any partnership. <laughs> so that was his, his big lesson was that you have to, you have to negotiate everything. <laughs> but that was one of those moments as a child that I, I really could not sink any deeper under the table. Yeah. Yeah. Like... The show is over, actually, but I have a hundred dad embarrassing. Do you share a dad embarrassing? Because we don't get that much in your da- of your dad on the show, Bambus. Not as much as I'd like. I want one show dedicated to your dad. He he really had no shame. Uh huh. Like, like my father, he would he would he would like laugh at at bodily sounds like farting and burping, okay. and it. He would laugh. Everyone would laugh, but it, it was really a, a, for me like, oh God, again. <laughs> so he'd laugh, and as a kid, that was yeah. you felt shameful for that. Yeah. Wow. I lived in a lot of shame as a kid uh, because of feeling embarrassed about what my dad was doing. I think when we first started doing the show, Andy, yeah. there, there were quite a few shows in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, where I felt embarrassed. Okay. But it was more to do with how I was showing up. Oh yeah, and and 
sometimes I would even go home and I would be like vibrating, like not knowing what to do with it. Uh-huh. But but I see, of course, as we evolved, and I, I knew this would be the consequence that I would find peace with. But there were there were many shows. Like if I go and look back at them, like oh god, did I really do that? Yeah. Yeah, there's some shows I listen back and I'm like, God, Andy, you could have said that so much simpler. <laughs> Why did you make it so complicated? That's all I hear. And what did your other voice said? <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> As you know, because if I cared enough about the first voice, I wouldn't be doing this show to begin with. Yeah. So. Yeah, but it takes a, it takes some learning to know how to speak in public. Yeah. Because at the beginning, you become self-conscious of it. Mm-hmm. But as you do it every day, then you sort of uh, gel into it. Yeah. In fact, I wish I was uh, talking to the public on a daily basis like you do. Yeah. Because uh, with me, I'm still at that stage where I'm conscious of it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because even the you saw you came with uh, one of your embarrassing moments to share with us. But as you know. Uh, it was really hard to get individuals to to feel comfortable with that, and uh, it's vulnerability. A, vulnerability is not easy to ask of people. It's really not a, an easy thing. So um, yeah, I'm I'm continue, continually surprised by those shows when we ask people to join us in some level of vulnerability because it's very infrequent that people feel the comfort to to just participate. Right, even making a video. Oh, yeah. we, we we went the extra one. Make a video. Yeah. Um, now, making a video is more difficult than just... Uh, typing. Uh, doing it... No. Doing it uh, at the spell of a moment, like in a video like this. Yeah. Yeah. Because a video sort of gives you time to think about it. And you think about all those things as, no, 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 this is not worth telling people. Yeah. You judge, you judge. Like, you know, the one story that we had where the woman shared the simplicity of taking a blind person by the hand and walking them right into a pole. Like, like that for me is just, it's so human. We've all done that. And to be able to laugh at yourself, there's some beauty in that, that if you, if you don't allow that life gets so constricted, it gets so hard to just celebrate our humanity. I mean, there should be remorse and the celebration of it, right? Yeah. Or yeah. Sh- there could be that, of course. Yeah. Well, we've come to the end of our hour. Thank you for being with us, Bolalang. I would love it if for the first time in the history of this show, we we went out with somebody else saying the tagline. So, Bolalang, we will see you next time on... A Wonderful Cow! <laughs> It's a wonderful chaos.